Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. So much to talk about, so much to get excited about, so much to remember. It's a different day today, and uh, we had a, a really tough evening yesterday as Mississippi State fans around the country found out that former Mississippi State great Darunia Wilson, victim of a homicide in his home in Birmingham, Alabama, and as many of you saw the video that was released by the Birmingham Police Department, Bear had a Mississippi State banner out in front of his house. And I don't know why that helped me a little bit, but it did. It's one of those things that you, you never expect young people to die in such a manner. And sadly, they do. And it's difficult to make sense of all of that. Bear Wilson uh, was not a highly heralded prospect coming out of Winona High School. But Tim Brewster, who I have spoken with in, in uh, the past 24 hours, who was absolutely devastated over this, Tim Brewster stood on the table for Deronye Wilson. I remember when, when State first began recruiting him, people were like, Stevie's just a two-star. And people forget that he was a two-star, two-sport athlete, a former Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama. But Bruce stuck to his guns, and I remember him telling me, he said, Steve, this is after they signed him, said, Steve, I know he doesn't have a lot of stars, but this is going to be a five-star player at Mississippi State. He's going to be a five-star player. May not be a five-star prospect, but he will be a five-star player. And I think most people would agree with that. You know, I don't, I, if, if Bear may have had a little better, uh, you know, group of support around him and probably run a better 40 at the combine, he might be playing professional football now. You know, I, I can't speak to all of that, but uh, I know when he ran his 40 a pro day, he barely even finished. I mean, he, he kind of pulled up late. But it didn't come together for him. But I know we've, we've got some great memories of Deronye Wilson, and sadly that's all we have left, that in our grief. If you are of the praying kind, please remember those close to him as they deal with this unspeakable tragedy. One of the things that these moments do at times is they bring us closer together. And I think that's what he would want. I, I tell you, I, I enjoyed seeing so many of our former Mississippi State players share their thoughts and reach out to one another and share their grief and their memories of Deronya Wilson. Spoken with and traded some messages with several of our former players. Many of them have shared, you know, what a great player and what a great teammate that he was. One of the things that I think that gets overshadowed, I mean, with Deronye Wilson, and those of you that are kind of students of the game you remember this, is what a devastating blocker that he was. When I put his high school video on scout.com years ago, when we first got it in, his most impressive clip was uh, one of his teammates uh, catches the ball behind him, and I think Bear just kind of led the convoy and, and – uh, Pancake three different players on the way to the end zone. Took a lot of pride in that. He was very unrefined as a football player at that point. Ooh, he was unrefined when he first got to Mississippi State. Billy Gonzalez got a lot out of Bear. But he was very unselfish. And hearing some of these former players say that's kind of who he was. I mean, he wanted the football, but not at the detriment of the team. He wanted the football because he thought he could go make a play to help the team win. Bear wanted to win. He picked State over Auburn late. 
He was one of those late, you know, you had a scholarship left over. And uh, if memory serves me correct, I think Bear played one year of varsity football there at Winona High School. And Tim Brewster sees him and says, you know what, we're going to go get this kid. Auburn wanted him. He took a visit to Mississippi State, never took the visit to Auburn. Auburn got frustrated with him. And he ends up here. And ironically, probably the greatest highlight of his career was that first quarter touchdown against Auburn in a game that ultimately elevated Mississippi State to number one in the country. That had to be a very rewarding play, not just because of the fact that Bear scored, but Bear did it against Auburn. The home state school. The tremendous football player at Mississippi State. And I'm very sad over that. Had a, uh, an appearance last night in Boonville, Mississippi, and I, I was a little bit subdued going in there just because of the fact that, you know, we learned of that on the way to the, to, uh, to the venue. And there's so many people that are kind of trying to make sense of it all. And there's just no making sense of it. It's one of those things where, um, you know, as you get, you get to scroll through Twitter and Facebook and all the social media platforms, and you begin to see the Nick Griffins and Tavez Calhouns and Fred Ross and Rufus Warren and people like that post their remembrances of Deronye Wilson, their, their brother. And it's one of those things you look at and you begin to say how unfair all of this is. But as I began to see the tweets and the likes and the comments and to the, the Tobias Smiths of the world and Tyler Russells and people like that, I began to remember how much they mean to us. That it is not just four years or three years in some cases. And as I shared last night at Boonville, and I'll say it again, you guys have heard me comment on this before, there are no former Bulldogs. There are former Bulldog players. But once you put on the maroon and white, then you are part of a fraternity. That is a lifelong designation. <clears throat> and so I, I know some people, that's how they reference them, and I don't, I don't know why. You know, teach their own. But once you're a bulldog, you're always a bulldog. And that's how I feel about it. And so when I read people mention, you know, former bulldog, the Runyon Wilson, I think that's incorrect. I think it's former Mississippi State player. But he was and will always be a Bulldog. And as he showed, the, sadly, the final scene from his residence, he continued to rep Mississippi State. Had the Mississippi State banner hanging out in front. There's home in, in Birmingham. Those are the things that mean something to me, because it tells me that Mississippi State still mattered to him. One of the most poignant images I think I saw last night was uh, from Morgan William. There was a picture of her and, and Bear sitting back-to-back -back in a uh, Birmingham News article. Uh, about the two of them, you know, being their area players of the year. There is a family here. You know, it's, it's a hashtag to some people. It's not here. It's really part of who we are. And so I wanted to open with that today because I think it's important. I don't want to end with that. I don't want to have a somber note. But the reality is that we have lost a Mississippi State great. Not just a Mississippi State player. Not just a guy that was part of a great team. We have lost a guy that did some amazing things here and when really most people didn't expect him to do anything. You know, he was just, you know, he was a big guy uh, that ran around, but somehow he matured and became something outstanding at Mississippi State. And now his life is cut too short. We don't know the circumstances. And the fact of the matter is, I don't really know how much that it matters. I really don't know how much it matters because his life meant something to us. 
the final line on Mississippi State receiver and forever Bulldog, Deronye Wilson. 39 games played, 133 receptions, 1,949 yards, long reception of 59. That came as his, uh, his redshirt freshman year. And then 22 touchdowns. Scored 10 touchdowns in 2015. And remember, he declared early. I can only begin to imagine you know, if we'd had he and Beniquez back in 2016. It would have made a difference. But it is what it is. And now Deronye Wilson is no longer on, on this side of, of eternity with us. And uh, we wish he and his family the absolute best and uh, really hope for justice for Bayer. At this point, that's, that's really all we can wish for. Because the people that love him will never be the same. I want to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Longtime supporters of the show. Happy to have them aboard. It's a great experience every time that I go. Great people, great food, great service, great prices, great atmosphere. If you're looking for a great restaurant quality hamburger, then look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. My personal favorite all time is the Pimentology ad bacon. I'm still pretty excited about the Lauren, but sometimes I go in there, maybe I don't feel like a burger. Maybe I don't want to eat quite that heavy. And so I get the Kale State salad or I get the Angry Bird salad. I mean, there are a lot of different options there. I'm a big fan of their appetizers. I believe that the spring rolls are the greatest appetizer in Starkville proper. And I know I've got some friends of mine that are in the restaurant business. I stand by that statement. The spring rolls will make you and everyone around you better looking. We all need more of that. There are now two locations to serve you. Bulldog Burger Company recently opened a second location in Tupelo, Mississippi. Encourage you to go by and find your own favorites. When you're looking for a great night out with the family, you can do that right there at Bulldog Burger Company. You can even have an adult beverage while you're there. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's move on to a couple other things that have happened since we have been together. I shared with you all on the Monday show that I was concerned about how we would perform in women's basketball at South Carolina. I am happy to say we did learn a lot about our team. I think, and I have confessed this on social media, I think I have maybe undervalued our team. I, I still think we've got a lot to do to contend. But this is a team, a young team, that doesn't have a lot of consistent scoring in the paint, that went to South Carolina and should have won the game. If I am South Carolina, and thank goodness that I'm not, because I think their fans kind of rival Ole Miss fans on social media for insecurity. You, you, you had a young team come to your place, and you got every single call down the stretch and you escape with a one-point lead on the shot where you found Jordan Danbury. One, matter of fact, one of your veterans did it, and you didn't. And they called one against Mississippi State. There was a no call there. If I'm Mississippi State, and thankfully I am, if I'm Vic Schaefer, I'm thinking, you know what? If we see them again, we're going to beat them. We see them in the SEC tournament, we're going to beat them. One of the things that I'll share, and, and I'm not a big fan of women's basketball officiating. I, you know, I, I believe, that, to be honest with you, I think men's basketball officiating this year has actually been better than it has been in recent years. I don't know if they've kind of you know, laxed on some of the 
the silliness of perhaps everybody's gotten a little more familiar with walling up and that sort of stuff. And so those calls aren't made with the same regularity they once were. But women's basketball officiating in a Southeastern Conference is absolutely abysmal. It is a disgrace to this league and conference. And you saw that Monday night. But despite all of that, Mississippi State should have won the basketball game. You go up there and you lose this ball game. I guess two points, wasn't it? Yeah, 81-79. But you're one shot away from winning the ball game. And so let's run down some numbers here because there were some young players that I thought really stepped up and said, you know what, it's our turn. You know, we're not here just for the experience. We're here to win a basketball game. Vic Schaefer made mention yesterday in his uh, weekly press conference. He said, you know, the next time we're in a moment like that, we're not going to back down to his words. I think he, he, they proved Monday night. There is not a moment that is too big. The stage is not too big for these ladies. And some of that goes to the fact that we're recruiting at such a high level. Rakia Jackson, 6 of 14 from the floor. Thought she forced a couple of shots, but, uh, you know, a good night, all things considered, 16 points. Pulled down five defensive rebounds. Did have a couple turnovers there. Got to limit that, but she went 39 minutes. She is the future of this program. She is the, uh, you know, listen, we have had some great players in recent years. But she is the cover of the media guide type player. That's who she is. She will be a superstar in this league. Chloe Bibby did not have a great night from the floor, but I thought did a great job rebounding. It seemed like every time that we needed a big defensive rebound, this is especially when, when Jess got into uh, some foul trouble, uh, Chloe Bibby really stepped up her game and, uh, and rebounded. And we need her, too, as the four player. We need her uh, to get in there and make some things happen. So, Bibby, three of eight from the floor, one of two from three, and we were just three of six from a, as a team. And I'll get this to the other two makes, but uh, pulled down nine rebounds. A one offensive, eight defensive boards for Chloe. Just committed to one personal foul. Not big in the scoring column, but I thought Chloe, Chloe played pretty well. The one turnover late kind of looms large. To be honest with you, after seeing the replay, I thought it was a foul. I thought Ty Harris fouled her. Uh, but we didn't get the call. And again, that's part of the game. You got to expect that, especially going on the road. I don't know that there is a, you know, and, and maybe it's just because of the fact that there's not as much attention around women's basketball in this league. I mean, there's only a few schools that are really engaged, but it seems like the officials, and even if, even here at the, at, at the hump, whenever the team gets on a roll and the crowd gets on a roll, the officials kind of get on a roll with them. You know what I mean? It's like, Everything's once a team begins to make a run, it seems like all of a sudden they get every call, and you know, it's very rare that you see an official step up and kind of do something. And I, and I think that's why timeouts and TV timeouts are so important because these officials sometimes get caught in a moment. But despite that, Chloe's got to take care of basketball. Really don't know if I want her how at the top of the key anyway in that situation, but it is what it is. Just caught her limited by fouls, got into some trouble. Uh, 0 of 1 from the floor, just two total points. They dominated the postgame early, and that's the thing that you got to look at this too. It's one of Mississippi State's most consistent performers held to just two points, and we lose by two points. If we can avoid some foul trouble, it's a different day. And I thought a couple of those calls early against Jessica Carter were awful, absolutely awful. Maya Taylor, again, did not fill up the scoring column. I thought she played pretty well at times. One of three from the floor, played pretty good defense, pulled down one rebound, scored a couple points, four assists, no turnovers. She is continuing to mature. 
I thought Jordan Danbury really stepped up and tried to lead this team to a win. We, we've always said these young teams need a leader. They've got one in Jordan Danbury. This is a young lady that the stage has never been too big for. Eight or 17 from the floor. And a couple of those misses were uh, uncalled fouls. But uh, pulls down four rebounds, scores 16 points, fouls out of the game late. At that point, it was pretty much inconsequential. But um, you know, she uh, missed a shot and uh, had to foul to send them to the line. The game was over. A couple of steals. Like where Jordan's play is right now. So, um, Aliyah Mathero comes in, spells Jordan for a spell. And is, when she comes in, it, it reminded me, for those of you longtime basketball fans, it was almost like Vinnie Johnson. You remember what they called Vinnie Johnson with the, the Pistons? The human microwave, because he just comes right in and heats up, and that's what she did. I mean, she comes right in, four of eight, hits a couple of threes, scores 10 points, commits the one foul, and she did have the big turnover late. She'll learn from that and be better. You know, as Vic said, I got to coach better, I got to teach better. But uh, this young lady is here to play, and uh, very happy with her performance. And I know you, and many people are like, man, she, she should play more. What's going on? She will. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young, it, it, another star in the making. Uh, another one that said, you know what, we're here to win a game. We're not here to look cute. We're not here to keep it close. We're not here uh, you know, for let South Carolina to run over us. And that's the thing that, that really impressed me about this team is the amount of pride they had, the amount of production to get up and down the lineup. And these are backups coming in. Uh, Mingo Young, 6 of 10 from the floor, 2 of 2 from the line, 3 rebounds, 8 points in 8 minutes of action. Very, very productive. Pardon me, that's the wrong stat line. 19 minutes of action. 14 points for her. I apologize. I'm looking at this box score. We go 6 of 10, 2 free throws, 3 rebounds, 14 total points, a couple steals, and 19 minutes of action. 8 minutes of action goes to Zaria Wiggins. You know, Zaria Wiggins came in and played in, in relief of Chloe Bibby at times, and I thought she gave us some lift. 3 of 4, 2 from the line, 3 rebounds, and 8 points. You can go all the way up and down the list there, and you can see what I'm talking about. I mean, we had some five players that had to come in and play. Promise Taylor and Yamiah Morris both came in, gave eight minutes apiece, and, and that's probably where they are. We need Promise to take off. We do. We need her to kind of exert herself. Maybe when we play Ole Miss, that'll kind of get her going. I think we can feel really good about our basketball team. You know, and this year, I, I won't say that it was a throwaway year because you're thinking, okay, we're, we're probably a sweet 16 team, and I think that kind of speaks to the – the expectations we have about women's basketball now, it's kind of like, can we win the national championship this year? Not can we make the tournament or uh, can we beat Ole Miss? Can we win the national championship this year? And so you begin to think to yourself, hey, as young as we are, we're probably not going to win the national championship, but maybe we make a sweet 16. And what does that say about how Vic Schaefer has elevated the expectations around women's basketball to say, you know what, in a down year, we're a sweet 16 team. I think after seeing what happened Monday night, I think Mississippi State's capable of anything. You know, we've got to continue to get some production from the bench. We've got to get better play in the post. You know, they, they really did kind of dominate post play. Some of that's because we got in some trouble, got some foul trouble there. But, uh, yeah, give, give Aliyah Boston a lot of credit. 10 of 14 from the floor, 12 rebounds, 21 points. But when, uh, when you're playing against backup five players because uh, – yeah, you're, the starting five guy gets in, uh, gets in some foul trouble. You should dominate, and she did.
and she is going to be a force in this league for the foreseeable future. It's going to be interesting watching these two teams play. The thing that I noticed, you know, watching the post-game stuff from South Carolina, you know, I think, I really believe they expected to just come in here and just blow Mississippi State out. And I shared with you guys on Monday, you know, if Dawn Staley could beat Vic by 50, she would. She couldn't. It's as simple as that. She couldn't. And so as, as disappointing as it is to lose to South Carolina, I think there are a couple things that we have learned here. Is number one, South Carolina is not head and shoulders better than the rest of this league, at least not as far as Mississippi State goes. And number two, that these young ladies in Mississippi State are not scared of South Carolina. You know, I, I submit to you, Vic Schaefer might be the best coach of any sport at Mississippi State of my lifetime. Because look at where we've come from and look at where we are. We are a national power annually in women's basketball. Annually. We didn't just make a big run with a senior-laden class here a couple of years ago and then have to start over. We went right back to the national championship the next year and should have won it. Then last year we go to a regional final. you know. And now if, if I'm the rest of the SEC and I'm looking around here, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Mississippi State is supposed to be, you know, a good team. They're not supposed to be elite. As this team matures, they have the chance to develop into a, an elite team this year. Not next year. Not the next year. This year. And I think that shows that Mississippi State Vic Schaefer is a little bit ahead of schedule. That, that's very exciting to me, as I'm sure it is to you. Uh, excited about what's next. Uh, the ladies will be back in action against Ole Miss. January 26th, right here. Pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. It's home. They'll be back in action tomorrow night at Vanderbilt. And then on Sunday, right back here at Humphrey Coliseum and take on Ole Miss, who is uh, an absolutely abysmal team at this point. Maybe that gets promised Taylor going. So you recover from that narrow loss at South Carolina. Let's go take care of business at Vanderbilt and then come out here and beat up on Ole Miss a little bit and uh, let's see what happens, you know, because, you know, we're just one game down in the standings and you begin to look at the schedule. It sets up pretty well for, for Mississippi State. I mean, you got to you got to go to Tennessee. you got to go to Kentucky. But outside of that, everybody else is coming in here. And, and to be quite honest with you, based on the expectations and the talent level, we ought to better win all those home games. Find a way to win some games on the road. you got a chance. Hey, you're right, you're right in the thick of things in the SEC title chase. You're right there. But, again, we're picked third in the league. You know, we'll see what happens. Many people picked A&M to win. South Carolina's in the mix a little bit, too. And State was kind of a consensus third. Then we got a chance to move in, and not to mention, once we get in that SEC tournament, who knows what's going to happen. Very, very excited about this. Speaking of being excited, I shared with you guys on Monday, I got a new sponsor, Hawthorne Co., Hawthorne.co, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. I got the products in yesterday. I shared with you guys on Monday. You go take the little quiz, and then they send you all of the uh, the products that you're interested in. It's uh, It's... I'm very, very impressed. Okay, so all the packaging, it comes in. It's uh, neatly packaged. You, un you unpack it all. It's, it comes in these little uh, black, like, Ziploc bags. It's very well protected. 
And uh, you know, that's you get a new cologne, you got to try everything on, and, and so you get the work play, the work scent, and the play scent. And so I uh, put some on last night. I'll tell you, I, I felt great. Everything looked great. Everything smelled great. Uh, I already used, uh, you know, the deodorant and the body wash, and even got some lotion, you know, for for guys like me that, uh, you know, sometimes the body wash that I use, I use that exfoliating body wash. Next thing you know, I look a little flaky, you know, and so I got to put some lotion on. So, um, I'm impressed. You'll be impressed. Uh, go by again, hawthorne.co. That's hawthorne with an e, h a w t h o r n e dot co, hawthorne.co. Uh, again, very very impressed. Not just with the way this whole thing is set up. You take that quiz and they send you to stuff because everybody's chemistry is a little different. You know what I'm saying? There's not a one one size fits all type fragrance for men. And uh, I know many of you guys, you, you just tell your you tell your significant other, just go buy whatever you know whatever you like. Well, many of you don't have a significant other, or many of you don't have a significant other that has a, a nose for cologne or a body wash or any other stuff. Trust me, go try it. Again, I'm very, very impressed and uh, look forward to, uh, to having a long-term relationship with them, whether they continue to sponsor the show or not, because the products seem to be unbelievably good quality. Again, it's Hawthorne, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's Boneyard. Promo code Boneyard will save you 10%. And you can set it up where it's a recurring fulfillment or it's a one-time order. Let me encourage you to try it. You, your best efforts got you here. Let the experts help you at hotthorn.co. So let's talk men's basketball here. Uh, Mississippi State back in action tonight against the University of Arkansas. This is a very good Arkansas team. This, you know, this would be you want to you want to get some attention. You want to make people understand that Mississippi State is back, that we're turning this season around, that we're for real. You win this game tonight. This Arkansas team, very very good. Very good. 14-3 and three overall, 3-2 three and two in the conference. Uh, running down the numbers here, let's just get into the conference play. That They have had some, uh, you know, that, let me just say this as nice as I can. Arkansas schedules really well in the non-conference. Always kind of have done that. But this is a team that went into Bloomington and beat Indiana. And I don't care what kind of year Indiana's having. Anytime that you go into Bloomington and beat the Hoosiers, that's a big win. They went up there 71-64. You get in the league play. They take down A&M in Bud Walton. They lose at LSU by two. We know a little bit about that. Then they take down Ole Miss 76-72. They blast Vandy 75-55. And they're in it against Kentucky. And then Calipari gets the ejection and Kentucky goes on a run. Puts the game away, 73-66. Again, this is an Arkansas team that can really play. And as I shared, this is a team that's played well on the road as well. Even in some games they've lost, they have been competitive. Just 14-3 and on the year. I mean, just the three losses. Those are things you look at and you begin to ask yourself, okay, is this Arkansas team for real? Well, they lose in overtime at Western Kentucky. Thank you, Rick. They lose at LSU, and they lose at home to Kentucky. None of those are bad losses, none of them. And then they have done what good teams should do. Uh, you know, they, they've handled some teams that are obviously, uh, you know, not as talented as them. You know, looking through their numbers here, Eric Musselman doing a good job there. You know, first year, fadeable. Uh, really doing a good job. 
And so let's look at their numbers and kind of run some things down here, kind of what you should expect tonight. That's a 6 p.m. tip at Humphrey Coliseum. If you're in the area, please come out and join us. Need a good crowd. So Mason Jones leads the way. 18.2 points per game. Making some things happen, to say the least. Uh, Isaiah Joe, the three-point marksman, he has attempted 187 three-pointers already. Knocked down 66. He's bringing in 17 and a half a game. Jimmy Witt Jr. is the guy that started every game. You're going to see him down low. Big number 33. 14.8 points a game. You know, when, when you look at this team, they've had, you know, there has been four of the five starters have started every game. Mason Jones did miss a game. But this is another team that's very balanced in their scoring. You got three guys averaging almost 15 plus a game, but you've got other guys coming off that bench that are that are somewhat productive as well. I like what I've seen from this Arkansas team, uh, and so as I share with you guys, if if you want to know that we're for real, these are the games you have to win. Arkansas just three and two in the league, but you look at their two losses. No shame in losing to Kentucky and no shame in losing to the defending SEC champions. I still think we should have won that game in Baton Rouge, but uh, be that as it may, that's, this is where we are. This is an Arkansas team certainly capable of coming to Mississippi State and getting a win. Now, State has done a pretty good job protecting the home floor uh, in recent years. This is one of those, I can't say it's a season-defining game, but if you really want to get back, even the SEC record at 3-3 three and three, and stop chasing the season, these are the kind of games you got to win. The way that State has played as of late, I like State's chances to win this ball game. Hopefully we'll have a good crowd come out and be a part of all this. The tickets are still available to the Mississippi State ticket office. As you guys are aware, State's 11-6 and six overall. We've got a couple of bad losses. We do. This would be a good win. I, I, I would submit this might be the best win of the season if we're able to pull this off thus far. There's some bigger opportunities to come. But if you're able to get that win, that's the biggest win of the year. If, if the state team that comes out that played against Villanova shows up, we're going to win this game. If the state team that played the last two ball games shows up, we're going to win the game. If we show up like Radford and Louisiana Tech, we're going to lose. You're not going to be able to sit here and trade baskets with these guys and just kind of hope to get a result later in the ball game. you got to play with some urgency, and I believe state has. And I don't know what – Maybe it was the 0-3 start. Maybe it was the fact that we dropped that game at LSU, a game we should have won. But he has found something. And maybe it's putting Tyson Carter on, on the bench and having him come in. Because as Vic, pardon me, as Ben pointed out, Tyson's minutes haven't changed. He's still playing starter minutes. He's just not starting the game. And I don't know why that happens. I don't know why he's become a different player. He is out of his shooting slump. He's playing exceptionally well. He's very aggressive going to the rim. Makes baskets in transition. Getting out, trying to start the fast break. And, and listen, there was when he was struggling offensively, then all of a sudden the defensive struggles came too because of the fact that's what happens. When you lose your confidence, you kind of lose it in the entire game. You don't just lose it on one end of the floor because it gets in your head. You know, they, they were beating him back door in Alabama. And so all of a sudden – you put him on the bench, 
and he starts coming in as your sixth man, and it's reignited him. As Tyson Carter goes, does Mississippi State. When he plays well, we play well. We've won some ball games when he hadn't just filled up the, the box score. But we need him to play well in order for State to get back to the NCAA tournament. You win tonight, I think you're firmly back in that conversation. I don't think it's a situation where you can assume anything, but you lose this ball game with some of the things you got coming up. And again, you know, I really believe this next, you know, once we get through, you know, this this whole stretch, once we get through that that trip to Fayetteville, you know, once we turn the schedule back over, the way those final eight games set up, pardon me, one, two, three, four, five, six, pardon us, seven games set up, we got a five chance to win all those games. But this, the importance of this game and over the grand scheme of the season is very big. It's because of the fact you go two and four and you continue to chase the season and you begin to think, okay, it might be tough to get to 500 if we start dropping games to Arkansas. It's going to be difficult to win at Bud Walton. We've been there before. We have, we've taken some great Mississippi State teams to Bud Walton Arena, come home with a loss. Got to find a way to at the very least split with them. Hopefully you'll come out tonight and be a part of that. I want to remind you, too, our good friends at Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show. Very happy to have Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, who gets more lovelier by the day. Go by and see her. Trust me, you'll know. They will take care of you. They will fill all of your maroon and white merchandising needs right there at Campus Bookmart. It's kind of a stark villigan institution. Been here forever and a day. You can visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase to page. It's BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than that is absolutely incomplete. You can go by and get it. We need to start thinking about, Mom, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now. We need to start thinking about baseball season. It's never too early to think about baseball season when you're a Mississippi State Bulldog. And so... Go ahead and begin to order those clothes. It's going to be cold in February, okay? So everybody probably needs a new hoodie. Go ahead and order that and use that promo code and save yourself a little cash. So uh, a lot of people are saying, okay, Steve, what's going on with this defensive coordinator search? Is it time to panic? And the answer to that question is no. And I understand that many of you are just ready for it to be over. I understand that. You know, it's one of those things, I think it's uh, just like with the head coaching hire. There were times people were like, hey, well, listen, we, let, let's just go hire Mark Hutchman and be done with it. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful about Mark Hutch, but love Mark and Tyler. I think they're great. But you don't go make a hire just because the first guy told you no. You have a little patience. It's all about getting it right, not getting it quick. And so... It appeared after the weekend that Navy defensive coordinator Brian Newberry was very, very close to accepting the job at Mississippi State. Now, I have been told in recent days that uh, Newberry's family, that they've had a new addition to the family and just don't feel like it's the right time to make a move. And you know what? To each their own. I believe if you have to talk a guy into taking the job, that he is absolutely not the guy. I mean, that's just how, it, to me, that, that makes the most sense. If we got to beg you to take the job, no matter your circumstance, no matter how your feelings are about your job, your station in life, your family, whatever, for whatever reason, if we've got to sell you on the opportunity, then this is not the right opportunity for you. I believe, as I said last night in Boone Bowl, we need people that believe this is the greatest job they'll ever have. 
Now, many guys want to be head coaches. And so they, they think, okay, what does this do for me long-term? What does this do for the career footprint? What does this do for my visibility as a head coaching candidate? And there are other people that are happy being career assistants. There are some people out there, you know, a guy like Brent Venables at Clemson. Brent's doing great at Clemson. They're probably going to win a national championship next year at Clemson. But he is the guy that is mentioned year after year after year after year as a guy that would be a great candidate. And, and Brent continues to kind of turn many of those interviews down because he's very happy working for, for Debo. And they're doing a great job. They're winning national championships, winning conference championships. They're competing at a high level. You know, why would I want to leave that opportunity when I'm being well compensated? My family is happy. And I say, okay, well, let me, let me go over here and take a job somewhere else and begin to rebuild. And Brent's still a pretty young guy. You know, it's not like he's got to go, uh, you know, looking for the retirement score out there. But there are some people that are just happy doing what they're doing. Uh, shared earlier today over on the Jeans page forum. And if you want to know what's really going on with the coaching search, that's where you need to be. We're not just throwing names against the wall, hoping for the best. You know, we, we work our sources. We get information. A lot of discussion about former former Army and current North Carolina defensive coordinator, Jay Bateman. And, and his wife has some family in Mississippi. Uh, but he was a name that was mentioned to me early on as a potential candidate. I have spoken with some people close to the family, and I've been told, that, listen, they're not ready to make a move this year either. Mississippi State officials kind of kicked the tires and kind of engaged with him to see what his interest level would be. I believe we're kind of moving forward from there. But I get uh, I, it's interesting to me whenever there is a name that pops up, uh, one of the consistent things that I hear is that these people are sitting defensive coordinators. These are people that have experience as a play caller and more times than not the power five, but some, but certainly D one level. So it's not like we're going to just go get, you know, somebody else's fun assistant. You know, we're going after sitting defensive coordinators. We're going after people just in the same vein as our head coach. We're going after a guy that is established somewhere. We're not just going to go get a guy to get a guy. And I think it's important for, for fans to pump the brakes a little bit. It's not always a tidy undertaking. You know, sometimes you have people that show some interest in a job and you talk to them and all of a sudden when you sit down and you, and you have a conversation with them, you think, okay, well, maybe this isn't the direction that I want to go. And maybe sometimes they think, you know what, this may not be the right opportunity for me. We're all still friends. We're just not going to be coworkers. I mean, it's like I think about, I hear all these, I've, I have some friends of mine that are much younger than, than me. And they're in the dating scene. And uh, it's so incredible to hear them talk about those sorts of things. Uh, you know, you, you get to know somebody on social media and you, you think you've got a pretty good idea of, of who they are and what they're about. Then you go sit down with them and there's just no vibe there. There's no chemistry. And so you move on. It's not anybody's fault. And these situations are, are much the same way. There are sometimes you look at somebody's resume and you look at their, their, their results on film and you think, okay, listen, this coach has what we're looking for. But then you go sit down with them. You think, man, there's no way I could work with this guy every day. That's part of the process. That's what's it, It's the same reason you date. You date to find out who you want to be with. You interview people to find out who you want to work with. It's as simple as that. And so you can't rush the process. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we got official visitors coming in this weekend. Well, that's true. But the bottom line is Mississippi State's needs are on offense. And all the offensive coaches are here. So why should we go hire a guy just to hire a guy if he's not the right guy? It's not like we're free-falling. It's not like things are happening out there that nobody wants to work at Mississippi State. 
I don't know why some of us are so desperate. That's one of the things that it appears to me is, well, we just got to go get somebody. No, we're going to get somebody. We're going to get a quality coach. We're going to get a good defensive coordinator. But we don't have to kind of compromise who we are just because some people on social media are getting a little bit antsy. That's just not how life works, nor should it. This is an important decision. We're invested $5 million a year in a head football coach. We are spending more money than we have ever spent to hire and retain assistant coaches at Mississippi State. So with all of that commitment on the table, why would we rush the defensive coordinator hire? You all have said yourselves, this is perhaps the most important hire that Mike Leach is going to make. And so if it is, and I agree with that sentiment, if it is the biggest hire, wouldn't we want to take a little time to get it right? Now, let's not be Pollyannas about this and say, well, we're, the reason it's taking a little longer is because we're doing all of our due diligence. That's not the case either. We've really believed that Brian Newberry was in a position where he was probably going to take the job. It didn't work out. But I would rather find out now that he is somewhat reluctant than him get here and leave a year later. We have been there and done that. We have had the defensive coordinator over the year uh, model for many years under Dan Mullen. And, you know, and, and that's one of the things, too, and, and I, I hate to keep bringing up Dan Mullen on the show from time to time, but I think it's important. Dan Mullen needed Todd Grantham. He, Dan's a demanding guy. He's a guy that really wants somebody to run the defense. He doesn't, and, and, and one of the things to give Dan some credit, too, Dan is a head coach that kind of specializes in offense, but Dan understands football. Dan understands defensive football. But he went through a bunch of defensive coordinators before he found Todd Grantham. And I think he found a guy like Todd because Todd is, number one, so incredibly authoritative and very tough. And he doesn't want Dan's input on the defense. I'm sure sometimes he gets it, but he, you know, because of the fact that he has some autonomy there, he kind of does what he wants to do. But Dan needed that. But he went through a ton of guys before he found Todd Grantham. And that'll be the case for Mike Leach. Mike, I, don't, I hope that Mike doesn't have this, uh, you know, he loves me, he loves me not deal that Dan had with defensive coordinators. But he will find the guy that'll be his equal, or at least a guy that can do things the way he wants them done, where he doesn't have to, to put any attention at all on the defensive side of the football, other than to, to kind of, you know, sign off on the game plan or whatever. It's going to take some time. But Mike will find the right guy whether it's this guy or that guy or, or some other guy, he'll find the right guy. And I think it's important that fans just kind of pump the brakes a little bit and uh, decide, you know what, okay, here's what we're going to do because us wringing our hands over doesn't change anything. All it does is it, it impacts the people around us, you know, makes us a little more miserable to be around. But we're going to get a quality defensive coordinator. You know, we were having the same discussion about our head coach here a couple weeks ago, right here on this show. Day before we hired Mike Leach, everybody let's just relax a little bit. It's all going to be okay. And at that point, we were thinking, okay, we'll start. Steve Sarkeesian is out. Like, well, we're going to hire Todd Grantham, you know. And then we hired Mike Leach and became the talk of college football. And this is the situation too. Let's let, let's let it play out before we all panic and just go hire a guy to hire a guy. Let's take our time and be sure that we're making the right decision. And sometimes the right decisions today might not be the right decision tomorrow. You know, sometimes things may look right. Well, this, you know, this is a good fit for us. And all of a sudden, when you begin to, to get a little deeper down the path, you realize, you know what, this might not be the right direction for us. So we'll hire a defensive coordinator. We're going to go on a bunch of football games. 
This weekend, we're going to bring some visitors in. You know, KJ Costello is expected to be one of them. That's the Stanford quarterback. And again, there's some people that, again, there's that, there's that, those negative now leaks that always say, well, we don't need to go get a grad transfer quarterback. You know what? I, I, I'm going to trust a guy that has led the nation in passing more times than not the past decade. And that's Mike Leach. If Mike Leach says, you know what, let's go get this kid because we think that he makes us a better football team, then I'm all for it. You know, I was a little bit reluctant on the Tommy Stevens thing and, and the Kelly Bryant thing. I was intrigued by that. But, you know, the thing about Tommy Stevens is, and, you know, to be fair to Tommy Stevens, he's an ultra-talented guy. But he hadn't played a lot of college football when he got here. K.J. Costello has thrown for over 6,100 yards in the Power Five at Stanford. We're not talking apples to apples. And people say, well, you know, it's not a grad transfer. Then we learn our lesson. No, no, we didn't because there was no lesson learned. The lesson is a time-old lesson is that sometimes quarterbacks get hurt and injured quarterbacks are not very effective on the football field. It's got nothing to do with K.J. Costello. Nothing. You go get Costello because of the fact that he is a prolific passer that can process information and be accurate with the football, he might take you from a seven-win team to a nine-win team. Elevate the people around him. Everybody's learning a new system. Everybody coming in this year is going to learn a new system. Everybody's on a level playing field. Nobody's going to have a leg up on anybody because nobody's played in the Mike Leach air raid. So they're all going to learn together. One of the things that I have learned in recent days that I'm very, very encouraged about is the talk of the strength and conditioning program. That has been a hot-button issue around here in Mississippi State, among our fans. And a lot of people have some opinions that aren't rooted in fact, but the bottom line is I think everybody can agree that we were not a tough football team this past year, not physically, not mentally. A lot of that goes back to strength and conditioning, the demands of that program. I was told one of the first things that Tyson Brown did when he got in there is explain to those guys, hey, we're going to compete. We're going to push you harder than you've ever been pushed. We're going to compete. You know, one of the things, you know, in the early days of the moment when Matt Bayless was here, um, you know, we had Matt drills and guys would get in there and wrestle and we would compete and try to bring the best out in them. You got to teach guys to fight. And I think Joe was a little reluctant sometimes with, uh, with that line of thinking. And so, we're getting back to what we were as a football team, as far as our identity. Uh, I believe the team run was at 6.30 a.m. yesterday. And these things are going to continue to August till we start fall camp. Guys are going to look differently. Guys are going to handle themselves differently. Guys are going to react differently. It's not going to be the same deal. It's not going to be, hey, let's go give it our best effort. You know, Because one of the things that I have learned, not just about sports, but about life, there are a lot of people out there that say, okay, well, I, I've done my best not knowing what their best is. There are some people that say, well, I've, this is what I've always done and I've always won. So I'm just going to keep exhibiting that same behavior and, and extending that same level of effort. Well, in order for us to be better, we have to work harder. We have to do different things. We have to be more diligent, more organized in our efforts. And I like what I'm hearing. And I saw Jonathan Banks hear this yesterday. I assume John probably talked to some of the same people that I did. There are a lot of people on this Mississippi State campus that are really fired up about what, what is happening with strength and conditioning. We can all agree that was a weakness last year on our team. 
And so when I hear that we're going to do these group exercises and these team building exercises, and we're going to get out there and wrestle, and we're going to get out there in the mud, and we're going to get in a sandbox, and we're going to do some things that are unorthodox, and we're going to have our wide receivers catching tennis balls out of a tennis ball cannon at about 60 miles an hour, uh, that'll make a football feel like, uh, you know, a balloon. You know, we got to do some unorthodox things in Mississippi State. We got to be a little different. We can't go out there and be Alabama with less than Alabama talent. You know, we can't do what they do. We can't just mimic them. We got to we got to have our own identity. And so again, I like what I'm hearing about this Mississippi State strength and conditioning program. And so let's just see how it works. Let's not get out over our skis and begin to think, okay, well, this is going to be the solution to everything. We're going to Atlanta next year. But let's say you go out there and you can go get a former Power Five starting quarterback. And you can get back to who you are, get back to your identity of being a blue collar, punch you in your mouth, and then talk about your mama football team. Uh, I'm good with that. You know, one of the things that I used to love, and some of you, some of you guys that were on in the infancy of the internet, we used to all the SEC message boards back in those days were on a site called Access Atlanta. And one of the things that I remembered about that group, I remember uh, Toriana Blade used to post a lot. That's Willie Blade's sister. But uh, there was a, it was a South Carolina fan that posted something about Mississippi State. This is back in the Jackie Sherrill days. And I remember this, and it's always stuck with me. He said, you know, I love playing teams the week after they play Mississippi State because Mississippi State always brings the wood, and everybody that plays them the next week has a little less fire. That's the attitude and that's the identity that Mississippi State has to have. That's who we are. We can't just get bound being highly skilled. We got to be tougher, meaner, nastier, dirtier than anybody else when it comes to the game. Like Ric Flair says, if we're going to play the game, I'm going to be the dirtiest player in the game. I'm not saying we go out there and do eye gouges and that sort of stuff. But my point being is that we got to do the things that our competition is unwilling to do. That all starts with strength and conditioning. Excited to be back with you. We'll be back on Friday. We'll have a lot to discuss again. And uh, listen, love the people around you. Hug them. Let them know you care about them. You're not guaranteed to see them again tomorrow. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.